Hey, welcome back to the Pella Tax Podcast. We're here again with Dan Pella, nation's foremost authority on all things taxes. Just go ask the Associated Press. They quoted that he knows more about the Internal Revenue Tax Code. Dan, you got to tell us how many words that is, by the way. Dan, the IRS commissioner. Dan, how many words are in the IRS tax code? Right now, Jim, we got more than 4 million words in the tax law, and that's not even the bad part of it. The bad part of it is it was changed more than 6,000 times since 2001 alone. So we're, we're talking about massive tax law changes on an ongoing basis. And of course, how, how can the stuff. average taxpayer keep up with that? You can't. The average taxpayer has no has no chance. Even full time tax professionals, Jay, uh, Jay, have a difficult time keeping up with it because you, you know you, you got to focus on certain areas of the law. My focus on uh, when it comes to tax code is is tax law enforcement, taxpayers' rights, problems resolution. It's a narrow focus. I don't pretend to be a tax planner. I don't pretend to be the kind of a guy that's going to you know set your business up and get you all set up with the right with the right uh, structures and all of that stuff. That's tax planning. I don't do tax return preparation. I do problems resolution. So we focus specifically on taxpayers' rights issues, problems resolution, IRS abuse prevention and cure. That's my focus. And that's the area of the law that I deal with. Now, fortunately, that's also the area of the law that's the least subject to change. So these taxpayer rights are fairly static year after year. And so, you know, there's a lot of stuff to keep up with. Don't get me wrong, because it, it's changing all the time. But by comparison, this area of the law is the most stable. So the question is, you said nobody could keep up with it. So really, you have a business because obviously what you do without doing tax planning, tax preparation, any of that, do you stay quite busy? Oh, yeah, no question about it. Yeah, we're busy. Why do you uh, stay so busy then? Well, we stay so busy, Jay, because so many people are under attack by the IRS. Uh, you, you know, the, the, the IRS takes the position that the small businesses out there, the mom and pop operations, sole proprietorships, small subchapter S corporations, small partnerships, the IRS believes that these people are responsible for over 50% of the tax gap. The tax gap is the estimated amount of taxes that's unpaid every single year. The IRS believes there's uh, 450 plus or minus million billion, $450 billion in unpaid taxes every year. And they think that most of that is coming from the small business sector. That's who I deal with, Jay. I help small businesses stay out of trouble with the IRS. I help small businesses get out of trouble with the IRS. And it's, uh, unfortunately, Jay, it's it's it, it never ends. There, is, there, this a, there, is this a setup, Dan? Is it a setup? Four plus million, six thousand, four plus million words, six thousand changes. I don't want to cause any big ruffles, but I want the truth to get out there. Is this a setup to get people in trouble? Well, I don't think there's any doubt about the fact that the, the tax code is complicated, Jay, because they don't ever want people knowing whether they did it correctly or not. As long as you don't know whether you did it right or not couple things go on. Number one, you're always afraid. You're always unsure of your position. You, you never can be certain that, uh, that, 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 you're, that, you're, that, you're, that you've done it right. That's number one. Number two, when the IRS does make the allegation that you did it wrong, you're ready to roll over. 
they must be right. They must know the law. They're the IRS. I certainly don't know the law. I'm a self-employed person. My expertise lies in, you know, in, in uh, you know, whatever, fill in the blank, right? Whatever small business you're in, that's where your expertise lies, whether it's whether it's marketing or plumbing or, or you know, whatever it is. Uh, that's where your expertise lies. And that's what you want to do with your life. You don't, you didn't want to be an accountant in the first place. You wanted to be, you know, whatever, right? You wanted to be a marketing guy or a plumber or an electrician or whatever the case may be. Right. And so when the IRS makes the claim that you did something wrong, well, you're prepared to believe that Jay, even though the IRS is wrong more than half the time. And so it's, more than it's, half the time, Dan, well, you the half the time, no question about it. Yeah. In, in, in my, in my book, um, uh, the, the, uh, uh, how to win your tax audit, my, my book, how to win your tax audit is the most comprehensive guide to the tax audit process that's ever been written. I document in there, Jay, how the IRS is wrong between 60 to 90 90% of the time in the audit results that they come up with, depending on what the issue is. And this comes right out of IRS appeals office data. So this ah. isn't even outside data. This is inside data. This is not, this is not damn pillars on report. No, no, this is this is from IRS. My, my did an analysis of IRS data, Jay, to prove that uh, that uh, they're wrong 60 to 90% of the time. Gosh. Everybody's got to I mean, people just don't believe it. I mean, it's, uh, when I make these claims, uh, people say, well, geez, Dan, how, how can that possibly be true? Well, I'll tell you why it's true. Because tax auditors in particular use tactics of bluff and intimidation, misinformation and disinformation. And in many cases, they just outright bold-faced lie to people concerning what the law is and what their rights are. And most of the time, they just don't know. Now, I'll give you an example. I just finished up an audit. I'll tell you how fresh this is, Jay. I got the audit report right in front of me. I don't. I want to make sure we don't see any names here. But yeah, I got the audit report right in front of me. All right. That's so this bad. came. This came out of an audit that we finished up last week. This particular client is a realtor in multi-states. She works in Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Florida. She got a very active real estate practice on the West Coast of Florida. She bought a condominium in Florida to run her business out of because she's down there so often in the winter months, right? Minnesota right. winter, let's go to Florida, let's sell real estate. She's got a tremendous number of clients that, are, that live in Minnesota, Wisconsin that are becoming snowbirds as they get older and older, right? And they want to find real estate in Florida that they can winter in or retire in. So okay. she's got a very active, very lively practice in Florida. She bought herself a condo. She works and lives in the condo. And she wrote the thing off, which is 100% legal to do. The tax auditor and the tax auditor's manager did not know that that was a legal move. And I spent about an hour and a half on the phone with those people, convincing them that it was perfectly legal and she was entitled to the deduction and they gave it to her. But the, now in this case, they weren't deliberately deceiving her. They legitimately didn't know that it was a tax deduction. They didn't know their own law. They didn't know their own law. They did not know their own law. Now, if she was unrepresented, if my client was unrepresented or represented by somebody who, you know, wasn't willing to dig into stuff, she would have lost that deduction, Jay. And it was a huge, uh, a huge deduction responsible for cutting her taxes by thousands of dollars. Would it have been at least a $10,000 issue? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was a $10,000 issue for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt about it. This that. stuff is going on all the time. And so yeah. that's why we wanted to start the show off a little bit hot today because- we want people to be aware of all these things that are going on. Now, we're not saying 
avoid taxes or don't file or tax protest. We're not talking about any of that. We're talking about tax education, knowing your rights, knowing what's going on. And there's an old saying, if you don't know your rights, you don't have any. You don't have any. That's exactly right. And, and you make a good point, Jay. We're not talking about anything nefarious when it comes to, you know, when it comes to gray areas or, you know, crossing over the line or playing the audit lottery or any of that nonsense. That's not it at all. You don't have to do any of that stuff. What you have to do is, is take deductions for the legit for the take take deductions for the expenses that you incur legitimately yep. in the process of earning income. As a small business person, you're allowed a deduction for any expense necessary to earn income. Any expense. The expense just has to be reasonable and it has to be somehow connected to the generation of income for your business. It's as simple as that. And so in that context, there are no gray areas. The expense was either incurred for the purposes of earning income or it wasn't. And if right. it was, it's deductible. And if it wasn't, it's not deductible. So that's all I'm talking about is take advantage of the rights that you have in the law to reduce your taxes to, its, to their lowest legal level and do it legally. Right. You can get properly set up. You know, everybody keeps hearing, Dan, about... Uh, Amazon paying no taxes and different places paying no taxes and those type of things. And there's a lot more background to that. So we're going to do that on another show, but there are ways to legally reduce or possibly eliminate your tax burden. As long as you do it legally, don't play these games. Right. And so I'm telling you that from firsthand knowledge, do not play the games. That's why Dan and I know each other because I didn't have the right knowledge. It's like most people, it's like most of you listening to me. You don't know all this stuff's going on. That brings me to my next uh, question, Dan. Last year, I made a note here. Last year, Congress granted, I don't know if people know this, 80 billion, that's what the B, additional funding to the IRS. Now I'm hearing that that money was cut. What's the deal, Dan? Yeah, you're right, Jay. It was cut. Here's what happened with the uh, Inflation Reduction Act of 2022, a, a year ago, almost a year ago to the day. It was mid-August of 2022. Congress granted $81 billion in additional funding to the Internal Revenue Service. They called it supplemental funding. And that $80 billion is going to be spread over 10 years. So basically $8 billion a year for 10 years added to the IRS's normal operating budget, which is roughly $14 billion. So $14, 22000000000 billion now to the IRS increase. annually to operate the agency. And the IRS was going to do a number of things with that money, not the least of which was hire 87,000 additional IRS agents. Wow. Now, that wow. caused quite a stir, Jay, because there's already about 82, 83,000 agents. So everybody's saying, are you telling me they're going to double the size of the IRS? Well, we can talk about that in a minute. But, but now, after the first of the year, so moving into 2023, once Republicans gained control of the House of Representatives, there was an awful lot of talk about reversing that funding altogether. Well, they were not able to reverse the funding, but they did pull back $21 billion of the funds. So the IRS was originally granted $81 billion. Congress pulled back $21 billion. The IRS still has $60 billion in addition. <laughs> and it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of money. Out of 86 yeah, we're billion. talking about almost a 40% increase, 40 to 50% increase in their budget. Yeah, yeah, no question about it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and again, that's spread over 10 years. 
Now, um, so so the question is, well, is the IRS going to be crippled because because they don't have eighty billion dollars? Well, no, because remember, they get fourteen, roughly fourteen and a half billion dollars every year as their normal operating budget anyway, and so now they're going to get eight billion more on top of that. Now, here's the other thing. The IRS is not getting 80 billion over 10 years. Now they're only getting 60 billion, but they're going to front end load the money. And so what that means is they're going to be spending more money on the front end than they otherwise would have been spending that they would have pushed out to later years. And they've already made the statement, Jay, the ink wasn't dry on the uh, on the budget act. This was the uh, this was the uh, the debt ceiling act that was passed here. When was that in June to, right. to get straight with the debt ceiling? Right. So this was part of that deal. Uh, the, the, the ink wasn't dry on that plan and the IRS was already saying, we're gonna go back to Congress again in two or three years looking for more money. So the idea that the IRS is gonna be uh, defunded or there's gonna be significant reductions in their funding is just not realistic, Jay. They're getting the money and they're using that money to come after small businesses. Uh, you know, I talked about this quite at length in, uh, in uh, January of 2021, when the Biden administration first took office, the, one of the very first things that came out of the Biden administration was this plan to add $80 billion and 87,000 employees. And they made the claim, Jay, and, and I'm telling you, this claim was, they shouted this from every rooftop in the country, that only the richest, that only people making $400,000 or more were going to be audited by the IRS. Well, I analyzed the data, Jay. I went through it quite significantly, and I was able to demonstrate that the fact of the matter is, and I, you know, we talked about this already on this podcast, the fact of the matter is they are targeting small businesses, self-employed people. They believe that over 50% of the tax gap comes from self-employed people, and that's who they're going after. It's not the richest people in America. It's not the people making wow. $400,000 a year. They're coming after Jane and Joe, mom and pop business operations. That's what they're doing. Well, the most likely the people listening to us now. So if you're listening to us, there's things you can do. Make sure you're logged in to PillarTaxAcademy.com. Go over to PillarTaxAcademy.com. You got the business ma mastery course. You got the taxpayers mastery course. You got two powerhouse courses for the everyday business owner, the mid-sized business, even the large-scale business to be able to get educated on what you need to know to protect yourself from what? What do you got to protect yourself from? Think about this. What do you have to protect yourself from? Well, you got what to do protect you think, What do you what do you think they are giving 60 billion dollars for? And, and hiring all these Okay, Dad, I want to I, mean, I want to understand this for the folks that are listening. They're going. They said they want to hire eighty-seven thousand new revenue agents. Well, employees, Jay, employees, and that's across okay. the entire spectrum of of the IRS workforce. All right, eighty-seven so thousand. We're talking about we're talking about revenue agents, tax collectors. We're talking about we're talking about secretaries, office support staff, all of those types of of personnel. Yeah, how many people do they have as employees now, the IRS? Do we have well, any this? This is a little deceptive, Jay, and I wrote about this quite at length because they have about 82, roughly 85,000 employees right now. And you say, well, if they've got 85,000 employees right now and they're getting 87,000 more, that doubles the size of the IRS, right? Wrong, it doesn't. I'll tell you why. But between 2023 and 2024, right? So basically the next year and a half, 
about 30% of the IRS's workforce is eligible to retire. All right. And they're going to retire. These people that are eligible for federal retirement benefits, don't you think for one minute they're not going to take their federal retirement benefits and go home? Uh, that doesn't mean they'll be out of the workforce, but they ain't going to be working for the IRS anymore. They're going to be gone. Right. Now, in addition to that, every single year, the IRS loses about five to 10,000 employees, roughly five to 10,000 employees due to attrition. Right. They just, People quit for all the reasons that people quit for, right? I want to get a different job. I want to do something different. I got married. We're moving. Whatever, right? Whatever the reason. So they are losing about a third of their workforce in the next 18 months. Okay. okay. So they have to replace that. So even if they are able to hire, you know, 20 or 25,000 new IRS employees over the next 18 months, that's only going to keep them even with the with the uh, retirements and attrition that they expect here over the next 18 months. Now, the other thing is this. The IRS always has always has had significant trouble hiring people. The federal government doesn't have difficulty hiring people, right? It's a great employer to work for. You get all the benefits, you get the salary, you can't get fired, right? It's it's uh, it's you know, pretty good gig if you can get it. Of, of the 15 or 16 top federal government agencies out there, the IRS is down toward the bottom of the list of agencies that people want to work for. They don't, they don't want to work for the IRS. So that's not to say they're not going to get employees, Jay, but it's not it's not going to be as simple as all that. And then, uh, you know, as I said, the, the attrition and the retirements alone are, are if, if they're able to hire 87,000 workers over 10 years, it's probably just going to keep them even. All right. So here's the deal. We go down from 80 billion authorized to 60 some billion authorized. They're going to hire all these employees. They've already said they believe that the, the, the cheaters are the small business people. So what can we expect from the IRS enforcement going forward? Well, we can expect small businesses to be targeted. You know, here's the thing. Uh, the IRS released a report back in uh, about a month ago. And it's, it's the, the strategic operating plan for the Internal Revenue Service going forward. Did a pretty detailed study on this. And it shows the areas where the IRS is going to spend the money. All right. Now, that strategic operating plan was based on the assumption that they were going to get $81 billion. All right. The plan was released before they had their money cut back to $60 billion. So they're still talking in terms of $81 billion. However, the IRS made it clear after the budget cut came through that they were going to continue with the strategic plan as sketched out and just front end load everything, right? They're going to, down the road, they're going to try to get more money from Congress to make up the difference. 46 billion of the 80 billion was targeted for enforcement. Let's understand that the uh -huh. overwhelming majority of this money, Jay, and therefore the overwhelming majority of the employees is targeted at enforcement. And enforcement means two things, audits and collection. All right, so for small businesses that think they're immune from the IRS, as I said, the IRS already thinks that more than 50% of the tax gap is attributable to small businesses hiding income, particularly hiding income. So this is where the enforcement arm is going to be pointed. This is where the heavy hand is gonna focus on small businesses and audits and collection. 
Now we already have out there, Jay, roughly 50, uh, uh, 15, not five zero, one five million people, plus or minus 15 million people that have tax delinquencies. They owe money to the IRS that they can't pay. Mm-hmm. All right. These people are already facing wage levies, bank levies, property seizures, and tax liens. 15 lanes. million, right? 15. 15. One five million people. All right. So basically put this in perspective, it's approximately 10% of the number of returns filed, right? There's roughly 150, 160 million returns filed every year. We're talking about 10% of the population that file returns and can't pay the tax they owe. The IRS knows who these people are. They don't have to audit these people. They have to collect from them. And these are the people that are getting the notices. They're getting the knocks on the door. They're getting the summonses. They're getting the levies, the seizures, the liens, all these things are being focused at that group of people. And, and, uh, and it doesn't make any difference what income category you fall under, Jay. When, the, when you owe the IRS money and you're not paying the money, the IRS is not going to say, oh, you know, Mr. Dokes over here, Mrs. Mr. and Mrs. Smith, they make under 400000 a year, so we're not going to go after them. That's nonsense. That's utter nonsense. If you've got a delinquency on the books, the IRS is going to chase that money with all the enforcement power they have at their ability. And they got a lot of enforcement power at their disposal, Jay. Not. So with that being said, with all this funding that they're getting and this enforcement they're lining up, surely being the government, they're supposed to be for the people. So what type of uh, taxpayer assistance and support are they providing to the public? Yeah, that's a good question. In, 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 the, in the four areas where the, where the IRS is focusing with their, with their money, all right, enforcement, taxpayer assistance, um, 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 technology improvements, and I forget what the fourth one is, it doesn't matter. Taxpayer assistance is at the bottom of the list. All right, so they're going to spend $46 billion on enforcement, they're going to spend less than $3.5 billion on taxpayer assistance, outreach, and education. And, and, and in my opinion, Jay, and I've written about this quite extensively, and I've challenged the IRS commissioner on this. And in fact, my article was, was published by National Review, and is, is, it was out there for all the world to see. I challenged Commissioner uh, Danny Werfel to, to, to reverse those numbers, that if we're going to have a tax code that consists of four, more than 4 million words, and it's changed with such monotonous regularity that nobody can possibly keep up. The focus has to be on taxpayer assistance, pre-filing education, pre-filing assistance, post-filing problems resolution, and not enforcement. People will do what they're supposed to do, yes. Jay, if they know what to do. Yes, I believe People that. don't want to get in trouble with the IRS. People want to stay out of trouble with the IRS, and they'll do what they have to do if they know what that is. And so there's far more to be gained, in my opinion, far more to be gained by educating people on the front end rather than grinding them into powder on the back end. But that's ex- that's the exact opposite of what the plan is. The plan is to gr- is to enforce first and help. You know, if we think about it later on. So, how does Pillow Tax Academy play a role in the solution of all this? Well, two things. First of all, for tax professionals out there, we provide ongoing education. Uh, so we, we are we are a uh, uh, we are a, um, uh, a registered uh, continuing education 
provider through the Internal Revenue Service. So we provide ongoing continuing education to tax professionals. For small business owners, we have cutting edge information on how to stay out of trouble with the IRS. The Small Business Tax Mastery course focuses on about 17 or 18 of the most common problems that small businesses have with the IRS. And I show you how to avoid all of those problems, Jay. And that's based on over 40 years of litigating with the IRS on behalf of small business owners across the country. So I know how small business people get themselves in trouble. I know how to stay out of trouble. And so this small business tax mastery course is essential for any small business out there. And if you're a just a, a garden variety uh, taxpayer, you're not a tax professional or a small business, then I show you how to deal with the problems that Jane and Joe America have dealing with computer notices, with penalty assessments, with interest. I show how, how often do those notices go out? How often do these things that the IRS is mostly wrong on for the average taxpayer, how many of those letters go out of you? 100 million notices go out every single year, Jay. Letters and notices of every description, over 100 million of them every single year. And to show you how confused people are when it comes to the Internal Revenue Service, last last filing season, so we're talking about uh, we're talking about you know back in back in April, um, the the IRS the IRS received about 80 million 80 million phone calls into their into their system. So Jay, this is. I mean, this is just monstrously complex that uh, that uh, that people face, and they need help doing it. And this is why we provide the resources that are essential, based on my forty years of experience in litigating with the IRS. Look, Jay, I've seen every kind of tax case you can imagine, and I've seen a few that you can't imagine. And based on all of that experience, I show people how to avoid these problems in the first place. People listen to us right now. Many have some type of tax issue. Any message to them? Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. I don't care what your problem is. I don't care how long you've had the problem. I don't care what you've tried to do to solve the problem. I don't care who's told you you can't solve the problem. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. There's always a way to resolve the problem. And so on a day-to-day -day basis, that's what you do. That's what your practice is all about, is solving these problems and making sure that people get something that they can move on with their lives with, that they can that they can swallow, they can handle, get resolutions, and then get better moving forward. That'd be accurate. Yeah, that's exactly right. When I come to work every day, I'm working on somebody, I'm working on solving somebody's tax enforcement problem. That's it. Any party messages for this pillar pod, pillar tax podcast show, Dan? Party words. Don't get blindsided by the IRS. We got resources that can help you avoid and solve these problems. I said, now listen, this is all available. Make sure you are, are subscribing to the podcast. If you're listening to this, we thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe. Share this with at least five other people that you know have to pay taxes. Think about that. They will not be hard to find. So Dan, thank you so much again for another powerful show. Until the next time, guys, we appreciate you. See you, Jay. Goodbye, everybody.